Hello, Encouragers. Thanks for joining me for episode 32 of the Encouragers United podcast. You know, this week I'm going to dip into my archives and I'm going to share with you a message that I presented at Dayspring Christian Fellowship, a church that I'm now employed with, way back in the summer of 2013. I share my thoughts here on the passage in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. It's one of my favorites, and I hope it inspires you with the truth that there's a difference between just trying to do what's right, to live a holy life, and to actually being a holy, redeemed person, and then feeling a desire to go and do what's right. I introduce the concepts of moral skill and moral will. There's a difference between just knowing what to do that's right, but that's only part of the equation. Wanting to do what's right is a whole other ballgame. Enjoy. Okay, follow along with me here in your Bibles or on the screen. Colossians 3, and I want to focus here first on the first three verses of this section. I'm going to preach uh, through 12, 12 through 17. But therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. There's that do, right? Do this. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all in perfect unity. Just do it, right, Colossians? This is an epistle written to the Colossian church, believers, just like you and I. Just do it. Do this. Okay, let's do it. It's not that easy, is it? You're like, gosh, you're right, Charlie. It's a little bit... It's a little bit tougher than that. How? How do I do these things? My intent this morning is to process this a little bit with you. Of course, my luxury is that I get to do the talking. But I want you to listen carefully to the sections of this passage. This is the cool thing about the epistles here. Uh, And Jim and I have talked about this in Kent, is that there, there could be enough material here for sermons for a long time. But we're struggling with how much to deal with it or how much to dive in in one week, okay? And so I'm going to take this chunk here, and I don't want you to think or feel like I'm asking you to drink from a fire hydrant. Can you imagine that? There's probably some goofy YouTube clip where somebody tries to get a drink out of a fire hydrant, right? And they open the, the, the valve and it gets blown away. I want to give you that trickle that, that will quench your heart this morning, but it may seem at times like I have tried to make you drink from a fire hydrant. And so I pray God's blessing upon these words and have asked for his uh, guidance and how to deal with them. Take a look at these first three verses of this passage. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, I love the way Paul is projecting upon us this vision. Okay? Therefore, you're God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Don't forget that. And because you are that... This is what you're going to look like. This is what we want you to do. This is what should compel you. Okay, and so then we get this list. And and again, that's back to what I'm saying is that I could spend a sermon, in essence, a week on every one of these words, right? What is compassion? What is kindness? What is humility? What is gentleness? What is patience? How do I forgive? How do I bear with each other? How do I um, put on love as this big overcoat to, to bind it all together? What I want to do for you this morning is lay these three verses out as a foundation for our discussion. 
was really based in Christ's love for us. How about that? Christ was patient with me. He's kind to me. He's gentle with me. He forgives me. And thus I should do that to others. I should be like that. Okay? How about in another visual I could, I don't think Richard probably could produce this one. But think of a pyramid. And the love of Christ is the, is the basis for that, that pyramid. And just as we got done singing, wonderful message through these songs. How great is his love for us. How vast is its measure. That's the foundation of the principle uh, or the, the foundational pyramid for today. Think about that in your minds. The love of Christ. So because Christ loved me, that's the basis for this moral will. Rather than moral skill, we want to talk about moral will. I actually want to do these things. I don't just sort of go through the motions with them. I want to do that. Why? Because of Christ's love for me. And so these things will come out of a foundational understanding and a wrestling with the reconciliation love of Jesus. Let's move on here, Richard. So verse 15 follows this way. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. If I've truly come face to face with this reconciled love, this reconciling love of Christ, God has shown me through Jesus that I've authentically been saved, that I have been redeemed through his love, and I accept it, place my life upon it, put my faith in it, then I've experienced the peace of Christ, the peace that passes all understanding. Okay, that's Philippians what do you know, another epistle to another church that Paul wrote in verses chapter 4, 5, 6, and 7, and especially 7, you say, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I've come to wrestle with this reconciled love, this, this great, vast love of Jesus, the, the foundation for the, for the pyramid, and the next step is that I'm good with God. I'm good. I have peace with God. Is that not the status of mankind? The end of Christ's love, his reconciling work on the cross, death, burial, resurrection, is to make us good with God. I'm good. And so think about that in, from a conscience standpoint. I'm good. I have the peace of Christ. And what Paul is compelling us to do is to take the, consider the love of Christ as it produces the peace of Christ and let that rule in our hearts. You see, the peace of Christ is this great equalizer that affects my perspective on any circumstance. Let me take you there for a second. I'm good with God. I've reconciled myself through my faith in Christ's sacrificial love. Someone wrongs me. I'm good with God. It's okay. Now, that's an oversimplification. There's obviously a relationship we need to maintain. We need to have some interaction around that wronging. But I think what we'll see towards the end of this passage is that then I can do the right thing. Do what God would do. Do what Christ compels me to do. Forgive. So the next layer of the pyramid here is the peace of Christ. And it ruling in our hearts as this great equalizer to my perspective on everything that I do, everything that I come in contact with. So the love of Christ has produced the peace of Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, 
spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Oh, yeah. I want to know this risen Savior, my friend, Jesus. I hunger and thirst for more of him. This word, this logos, this knowledge of him is what we're talking about. So let the knowledge of Christ, your understanding of him, dwell in us richly. Okay? How do I help? How do I have the how do I have something dwell richly? Okay, so let's say I'm planting a garden. I want to grow richly in corn or potatoes or tomatoes. What do I have to do? If I want to harvest richly, I need to plant richly. And so how do I have this knowledge, this logos of Christ dwell in me richly? You're doing it right now. You're doing it right now. I'm going to consume the gospel stories. I want to know where Jesus went. I want to know what he said. I want to hear what, he's, what he thought. I want to do what he did through learning about him. And so I want to reconnect you if you're disconnected from that this morning. That you've reconciled yourself through the love. You've wrestled with the great love of Christ. And you have the peace of Christ and you're good with God. I want to know him. I want to know him. And that's that word of Christ that will dwell in us. As we teach and admonish one another in community, together, we teach each other. We cross-pollinate in this richness, and it benefits us all. And Paul then gives us a great example of how we do that. Certainly, we do it through teaching. We do it through our Sunday school programs. We do it through our small groups. We have men's groups. We have women's groups. We have small groups. We have impromptu prayer. We have all sorts of interconnections that occur. But he mentions this one. What does he mention? As we do what? As we sing. As we sing. Think about that for a moment. What an amazing opportunity that I praise God for, the opportunity that we as a body of believers, as a community, get together each each week. Often when we get together, we sing. What a beautiful thing that corporate worship is. And often it seems kind of strange to some people. Sometimes visitors can come in and say, oh, geez, you know, I don't know this song very well and kind of looking around. That's the point. That's awesome. That's great. It's okay that you don't know the, the, the words to the song. If you're a visitor today and, and what we did was kind of, you know, whatever, I, I, I didn't connect. That's okay. We're singing it over you. We're speaking truth to each other. We're planting the word of Christ in each other. One of the most powerful worship experiences that, that, that I've had is actually through the Promise Keepers organization. You remember this, this men's organization? Ministry, parachurch organization, targeted men's ministries, uh, deepening our, our faith as men. Pontiac Silverdome, probably 1996. 95, 96, somewhere in that range. I was a young married man. Went to this event at the, at, uh, in Detroit. 80-some thousand men singing together. 80,000 men standing. And I sang my heart out today, that day. And we'll never forget that time. Now, there's been very powerful times here as well. And it comes in different fashions. That's why you've got hymns and spiritual songs and choruses and You've got corporate where we all sing together. You've got this presentation of a song this morning during an offering time or a special music. It's, it's, that, it's that indwelling of the word through.
through music, okay? In fact, I can't resist. They gave me the pulpit. Here's what we're going to do. I want you to stand up with me. Grab a hymnal if you have it near you, okay? If you don't, you're probably going to know this song anyway. Turn to number five. Number five in this hymnal is one of the richest, most powerful hymns that we often sing together. And again, we're going old school here, folks. No piano. Well, hang on a second. Maybe. Number five, I'll just do this. Kurt, help me out here a second. I'm just going to get us started. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall Merciful and mighty God in three persons God in three persons Blessed Trinity Stay right there for a second Go ahead, you can have a seat Thanks for doing that We speak truth to each other We indwell with the, the word of Christ. So follow me now. Let's look at verse. We engage to submit our part in corporate worship, I should say. We submit our part to this congregational worship soup and we all benefit. Like the old parable, we all bring our part and we create something that somehow is exponentially better than the sum of the parts different sizes of people, different vocal cords, different experiences in life, different gifts, different talents, different preferences, all ability levels in musical understanding. We all come together focused upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the source of the sacrificial love which we all stand upon, the source of the peace that surpasses all of understanding in our hearts. And we desire to know more and more and more of him. And then we do <laughs> whatever we do on his behalf and in his name. You see that nice sequence there? Isn't that cool? That just fired me up this week when, when God reveals some of this to me. In a very familiar passage. Just hadn't seen it this way before. God's great love, his patience, his goodness, his kindness, his gentleness, bearing with me, forgiving me, dying for me, which reconciled me and gave me a peace. I desire more and more knowledge to do what he wants me to do. That's how we do it. Because you'll see in your life people who do seemingly extraordinary things. And you say, how did you do that? You don't just do it. It takes a lot of work to just do it. Praise God for that. Take a look at verse number five. Look up here with me, and it's not on the screen. You'll have to, uh, you'll have to just bear with me here. This is Jim's message. Put to death, therefore, all these things, right? Uh, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evils, desires, greed, idolatry, lying, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. All these things 
Put those into a similar pyramid that we have for our juxtaposition in today's message. If you love yourself and you are self-focused, you don't even have peace with yourself, let alone with God. The word of the world is ruling in your hearts. You're going to do some nasty things because of the roots that produce fruits that we're trying to cut off this tree when it continues to produce bad fruits. We're just trying to just do it. You can remove all the fruits, but the tree and the roots are going to continue to produce it until we get down to the bottom of it that says, I'm selfish. I don't want to be selfish anymore. God, forgive me for being selfish. And I flip this big switch in my heart that says, I'm going to stand upon the promises of God and his love for me, not in my own self-will. Okay, you see that? See those two pyramids? Bam, bam. Which one do you want? Which one do we desire? Here's what, I, here's what I know of most of us, all of us. We're in the process somewhere. We're not just, it's not that clean, Charlie. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to take you through, just in closing here, a little exercise. On a scale of one to four, one being low, four being good, one to four, rate in your own heart your understanding of God's love for you. Rate, rate your understanding as you are working with this, your understanding of God's love for you. In essence, what I'm asking is for you to evaluate yourself into how much you really have done the foundational work in your life to grasp and wrestle with God's love for you. Remember that number. Now I want you to, because they're sequential, I want you to evaluate on a scale of one to four perhaps your peace with God, the peace of Christ and its presence in your heart. How are you with God? And likewise, rank on a scale of one to four your knowledge of Christ his understanding of the world and your logos, your word of Christ dwelling in your life. And then finally, rank yourself on a scale of one to four as to living a holy life. You see, look at the subtitle for chapter three in Colossians. The subtitle for chapter three says it's the rules for holy living. I don't like that term a lot because it pushes me back into this just do it attitude. But at least maybe my sermon today filled out what the rules are really all about. The rules are doing foundational work, which then sequentially brings us to the point of living a holy life. Where are you on this journey? We're all in a different place. You see, the little pinnacle of the pyramid is simply oftentimes the tip of the iceberg that people see. And then there's all this hidden, you know, part below the water, below the water line. And we want to judge people based on just what we see. We sometimes want to judge ourselves by what we what we know people see. And to bring it full circle, I work every day in a subculture of this world that is really all about a scoreboard. And I fight every day for our coaches and our athletes to not find their identity simply in the scoreboard. It's not just about what you do. It's about who you are. And I want all of you to have the love of Christ is exponentially infinite. Amen? And so the base of the pyramid dictates the height of the structure. And that's all of us working together on this great, vast foundation of the love of Christ, which produces the vast peace that we should have with each other because of our reconciliation and our wonderful desire to to know God more and then to go and do what he would do and to represent him and to advance his kingdom in this world. That's the point. I'm excited to continue on this journey with you. We're all in this together, folks. Let's work together. Let's work together. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this body. Thank you for my friends. 
brothers and sisters in this walk with you. I just lift this concept up to you, Lord, and I pray once again that it was from you, that you will nestle yourself into the deepest part of our hearts, that we would do what we need to do to cultivate these things. Wherever we're ranking low, Lord, we would get help, that we would be transparent, that we would do what we can do here on earth to facilitate growth. We want to just do it, Lord, but it's not about that. And so help us understand that today. We are chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Let's keep building together. God bless us in this. God bless us. Amen. Thanks for listening. The Encouragers United podcast is only a part of the ministry I'm developing with high-energy, positive-minded encouragers like you. We have several other resources for you. I would love for you to join our Facebook group, Encouragers United, for discussion, idea sharing, and testimonies. I also host a Facebook Live each week. It's called Tuesday Tea with Charlie G. We spend just 15 minutes together over a cup of tea or coffee. I'll share some laughs, thoughts to hopefully inspire you, and perhaps some teaching and resources you can use to make your life better. I also host a web blog with helpful written information, resource links, and an occasional video. Feel free to check that out at charlesrgrimes.com. Please subscribe, like, and share my work with those that you feel could benefit. I want you to grow and mature in your encouragement gifts. Join the community. We're in this thing together.